Hey listeners, today's episode features mature content. If that's not your thing or you have kids around, why don't you skip today's episode? But otherwise, enjoy the episode. From Rixie, this is Frameform, a show about movies, moving, and everything in between. I'm Hannah Weber. I'm Jen Ray. And I'm Claire Schweitzer. All right, it's Wednesday. How are y'all doing? Holding up well? Yeah, holding up okay. Um, just have a bunch of eggs in uh, one basket right now. Um, there's a you know festival that I'm helping prepare for. There are um, kids who I'm teaching, and there are still fires in California. So just um, trying to keep trying to keep a clear head and just taking things a day at a time. <laughs> So you're saying you need another basket. I need what, another five baskets. But it sounds like. Another five fireproof baskets. Yeah, We need a few baskets. It's a busy time, but I think that these are good growing experiences. It's not all day, every day. It's a busy phase. And you'll get through it, Claire. You got this. I think this. we'll all get through it. I mean, all of us are a little busy right now. Oof, yeah. But... A lot of multitasking. But it's nice to come together and take time out of our busy lifestyle that we're experiencing and talk to each other about dance film, you know? Absolutely. Today, especially, we're talking about a topic that has come up a lot. It's always something that is, um, I think, pretty decisive when we're curating or even when you're watching something. If this element comes out, it's usually something that we want to flesh out. So I'm excited for, we haven't had a formal conversation on this. So listeners, we do not rehearse, okay? This is very much, uh, there might be topics that we know we're interested in, but when you hear us having these conversations, we're really talking and thinking through it in real time. So I'm interested in, you know, what kind of adventure intellectually, emotionally, we're going to go on today as we investigate this topic, because it's definitely something that I think you know, depending where you're from or what your background is, you're going to have a very different reaction to. Yeah. I mean, we're fleshing out today. That's the key words. And fleshing out meaning we're talking about nudity in dance film, which is kind of taboo in some cases. And in other cases, it's just another body. We're just going to, yeah, like John has said, we're going to go into it. What have y'all been watching? What uh, movies, YouTube, television, anything interesting out there that you're streaming or watching live right now? I've been watching a lot of dance documentaries. I think Claire mentioned a few episodes ago that this was a year of really great 16 to 20 minute films. So I've just been watching a lot of those. And I'm just really impressed with the variety that's out there. They're not all what I would call, they're, they're not all narrative necessarily. There's some longer, more experimental films that are really trying to push or investigate how you can tell dance in a longer format. So I've been enjoying browsing a lot of those. And I think especially now that so many festivals are online and people are putting their work online as well, it's a really good time to just watch new things. But I think most of my screen time, unfortunately, has been watching things for work and editing but it's nice to shift into more of a viewing for enjoyment or not to be editing whatever I'm watching time of year 
<laughs> totally. Yeah, same deal. It's been a lot of watching to make sure the cuts are right and the mm-hmm. music is, um, you know, cleared of copyright and all that fun. But oh my goodness, yes. Um, for yeah, for those submitting to festivals, the festival is not liable if you haven't cleared the music. I always put that in my festival rules where I, I one of the first rules entrants have the rights to use the music because I'm off the hook then. But something I found, I've been posting super cuts from previous years um, to kind of ramp up for our program announcements, and our music gets flagged. Um, particularly for our American festival, because the band we use actually is like a bigger band that tours and like has a record deal. And I literally will e- be emailing with them and I have permission to use the music, but Instagram will flag it. So I always have to like appeal. But Instagram, I mean, you can't even phone them. Not that I would phone them for this, but it's it's very difficult because and it's very interesting, too, because all these companies that were always on through our phones, you can't even really get in touch with them, even though it's part of our daily life. Kind of creepy. So, yeah, definitely hear what you're saying about the music. Yeah, that's my day job. But we we use premiumbeat.com, so... But as far as fun things that I watched, or actually I hesitate calling it a fun thing, but a really um, interesting thing was uh, the show Lovecraft Country. Oh my gosh, our, I, I would consider Mason a producer of our show, um, but he is watching that show too. And what is it, Claire? Lo- Lovecraft Country? Lovecraft Country yeah. on HBO. Oh, like like HP Lovecraft? Yep. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's not like a literal adaptation of Lovecraft stories. It's kind of... Um, a Lovecraft-infused view of the Jim Crow South. So, oh, okay. Uh, sounds yeah. so cool of a, sh- of a show and docudrama of history. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. With lots of um, crazy creatures and gore. So um, <laughs> if you're into that. <laughs> yeah, I really want to check it out. I am still working on going through all of uh, the Hayao Miyazaki films. Nice. So last week I watched Kiki's Delivery Service. (gasps) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm not watching any order. I'm just kind of watching based on my interest. Uh, I know like I had a friend who contacted me recently and was asking like, oh, are you watching them from in order? Because I saw that you watch uh castle in the sky which was his first one but yeah i watched kiki's delivery service which is so adorable and i loved it my reaction to it though is like i just wish i was a child seeing that because it's such a different i mean just miyazaki's films and studio ghibli in general all of their films are catered to children in some kind of way and i just wish that you know, like I had that access as a child to like watch these kind of films than what we get on Disney, not hating on Disney or, or anything. It's just it's just a different uh, delivery of. I don't know, I guess, attention span, I would say, you know, but I I thoroughly loved it. And yeah, I just can't wait to keep going throughout the catalog. That's awesome. I still have not watched all of them. 
Me neither. I I I I even have like a big giant like Totoro plushie on my bed too. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I'm about like you know a third of the way through the library, so I need to I need to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, if any of you have HBO Max, it's like thank goodness for that because. You know, before that streaming service came out, like the only way you could get these films was buying it through, you know, iTunes or the DVD, which would cost you like 20 bucks or up, or you would torrent it. A pop. Yeah. <laughs> you would <laughs> exactly. Ill- illegally yeah. torrent it. And um, yeah, and I'm just so happy that I have or everybody has like a resource like this nowadays because you know it was just so hard to like get a hold of these and I get and like uh, you know not a lot of people were even recognizing that kind of content in the 90s and most of these films were like you know late 80s to present and it took them you know it's almost 30 years we could say that it's finally becoming more mainstream now that it's on a streaming platform. And it's so important to make those other options available. Like America, the U.S. exports a lot of culture, but we don't always import a proportionate amount of culture. So I feel like people do, people need to have friends or family from other countries or actually you go to like film school and then they're going to start watching foreign films. Like I grew up in a house where we were speaking different languages and my family was from different countries. So for me, it was very normal to just watch and listen to other things. But as I got older, I realized, Oh, that's actually not that normal (laughs) is that you have three or four different accents living in your house. And you know, it's beautiful, but it's certainly not how everyone is exposed to different countries. And that is something that I really like about dance film specifically or screen dance is that you can can watch it without subtitles and just take it in as visuals and music. But it's, I think animation has a similar thing too, where it's an, like an easier entry point, especially for kids to see the quote unquote Disney of Japan, even though it's so different from Disney, you know, but really good that it's available on HBO Max for more people to see. Because it, it, it really, they are masterpieces. So, nudity. We're going there today. I will admit, I'm not the biggest fan of nudity in dance film, for instance. From my perspective, I feel like it's a toss-up. Like, it's just like, yeah, let's just do it. It totally makes sense. And then when that happens, sometimes it doesn't make sense. It was just kind of like, let's just throw it in here just because. But when it's executed well, you know, it does make an impact watching it. What is your experience, Jen, Claire, with watching dance films that are performed nude or featuring nudity of some kind? It's important to think about why the nudity is there for sure, because I think sometimes it can just be gratuitous or I think when we're talking about dance film or screen dance specifically, it also really changes the meaning. Like just dance in general changes between watching it live and watching it filmed and edited and everything. And I find that when you're watching nudity, 
you're already running into the issue of objectification and gawking and comparison and fetishization even there are all the for me like hygiene as well if i see someone dance nude i'm like ew their bums touching the floor like it's just like hygiene as well um but i think when you're watching it filmed it feels more voyeuristic it feels more like objectification for me because you're not actually looking at a live human body that's breathing i think watching it live feels very intimate um i have seen uh, Sidra Bell danced New York live a few times. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember which show it was, but she does tend to have her dancers partially or completely nude or the costumes have mesh layers or there's, a, there's elements of nudity. And I think that the way she does it is very artistic and I don't think that it, the nudity doesn't serve a purpose. But often with dance films the nudity might not have as much of a, a reason or a philosophy. And I think that we picked some good examples today that have different perspectives on nudity that we can really discuss and try and flesh out what, what the purpose is and what the goal is. And yeah, just those different decisions that go into it. I think I like this Jonathan Burroughs quote who, um, first of all, Jonathan Burroughs, a choreographer's handbook is one of my favorite books on choreography of all time. And it's such a, an accessible read as well. But he has this quote that nudity will not do your work for you. But if you use nudity for the right reasons in the right context, then it might do the work which you want to do. And I think it's important to note that I think a lot of choreographers or even a lot of artists in general use the nude body as a sense of like a sense of neutrality, almost like a sense of like leveling the field. Now we can all experience our humanity at the same level. But I think the nude body is not so much a statement as it is a reflection of the the culture it's being presented in. And it's certainly worth noting that like different, you know, different cultures have different views on on nudity and um, the naked body and sort of like the preciousness of the naked body or the propriety of the naked body, too. Like I remember being in a in Germany at a residency and like there was a show that opened like or a show that contained like two guys, you know, holding each other's, you know, nethers. And that was deemed appropriate for children. And similarly, like the movie Amelie, like there's a whole scene of, you know, Amelie imagining people getting it on. And that movie got the equivalent of a G rating in France. I think the nude, the new body definitely expresses a lot of things in the spectrum. You know, it's not just, I don't, it's not just neutrality. We also see images of nudity, I mean, also in paintings or in general. I mean, we're seeing images of rebirth and reinvention when there's water involved. I mean, we have gender and self-expression just in general. I mean, there's a sense of freedom, but we also see the opposite side of the spectrum with vulnerability and abandonment. But then we also see sex, love, desire out of it. There's so many ways that can show the body being stripped down to show, I don't want to say just a true sense, but just a raw sense of feeling of individuality, of how it's being shown to the eye. As I, when I was creating this list, I just was like, wow, it actually hops around it's just not just one side or the other it kind of 
crawls throughout the whole, like I said, spectrum. I mean, you think about other forms of art, and Hannah, you mentioned painting, for example. Like, you can see a painting of a nude body, but it's not a nude body. Or you could hear music, or with dance, your body's your instrument. You don't look at someone playing the violin and the violin's covered up. You actually get to watch the fingers and the strings and you get to watch the music. So I think that nudity can certainly highlight what the body's doing. You can really see the muscles. I enjoy how different costuming can enhance or highlight movement or obviously play a role in character or tone or texture just as a design element um, or, of course, adding meaning to it. But I do believe that some people truly use nudity in a way that you can really celebrate the human form. You can really see in more detail, but too often I feel like we see examples of what I would call like gratuitous nudity or nudity for the sake of it. And I I do think one of those examples for me, and not that it is a ton of nudity, but I think one of those examples is the music video that Hannah uh, offered for this week. Yes. So our first pick, which is a Seeger Rose music video um, back in 2012, uh, Valtari, which features two dancers. This film is directed by Christian Larson, choreographed by Sidi Larbi Shikari. I saw this film uh, back actually around the time that it came out. I had a friend send it over to me. And I mean, it's a beautiful work. It's another abandoned factory screen dance <laughs> which we all another have our qualms about but um <laughs> it's done very well it's very beautiful Sega rose music you can't go wrong i think the dancing is very well put together as well they're both fantastic almost symbiotic dancers the way that they come together but then we enter a scene that i feel a little indifferent about as you could hear from my tone uh but they start removing their clothes and it's only the upper torso that they remove their clothes this duet between a man and a woman but honestly i don't know about you guys but i i don't get it I'm going to be really completely honest, but I, what do you think of this film? I mean, I'm, there's obviously more questions I have and answers to say, but I just want to start with, I don't really get it. I'm with you there. I think that this was not exactly the most successful choice in this particular context. And it kind of puzzles me, especially knowing um, C.E. Library Shirkawi's other work and First of all, if you have if you don't know his work, check it out. Um, specifically, check out the piece Sutra, which is phenomenal. But in this case, like there's a very, um, very physical duet that's really building up, like really building this very strong arc. And then to me, the moment where they start taking their clothes off and they both end up topless is to, to me, that totally eliminates the arc. To me, that is a that was a cheap way of like trying to communicate a sense of intimacy instead of actually communicating it through the movement itself. I mean, there, it's not always an unsuccessful choice, but I think in this particular context, it really didn't do the choice really didn't read with the intention that it was presented with. And the other part too, is I don't think the stakes are even for, you know, men and you know, this is, continues to be and again like 
the U.S. is not the center of the world, but is where the three of us live. And it is, you know, even me coming from Canada, very similar culture. And topless women is still not the same as being a topless man. And I think the stakes aren't even in this film. If he had removed his pants and was wearing, and not that I want to see this at all, but I was trying to think, how could you even the playing field? If he maybe showed his rear, like then he would have something on the table that wouldn't you wouldn't normally see. Whereas I feel like she has more that she's offering in this situation. And I'd be very interested to see because we do need to think this is a music video for pop culture and possibly more of a music audience than a dance audience. So here we have these breasts and the, the choreography is great, but it's very much the, the camera choices and you definitely see a lot. And I find that it would be interesting to do like an eye trace, trace where viewers are looking for this film and how it changes over the course. Like, oh, originally their eyes are wandering. They're following the choreography. Soon as the shirt is gone, they're looking at nipples. I would be very interested in how that changes throughout and where people are actually looking and how that maybe affects the story. And like you said, it's not as intimate with the movement because it's just all out there and you see it. I mean, their relationship, and when I mean relationship, I'm saying just dancers in the space. I'm not saying if they're lovers or anything. I mean, in a way that the way they're moving, the way they meet together, that's when I say symbiotic relationship. They're literally dancing together uh, in unison, same exact movement, they move exactly alike with their back bends and just very, um, a word that we used a while back, lugubrious, you know, it's just like, it's water motion. And when they take the clothes off, to me, it was like, okay, they can be equal. Like they're the same in the way, but at the same time, it's just like, they could be the same without having to remove their clothes if it was supposed to be this like tension of love and lust and i mean he removes the shirt she doesn't i think this could have went a different route if they were gonna go with this choice this artistic choice why not go all the way you know then the shedding of the clothes becomes even bigger to what they're doing in the first place. Then it's a truly neutral and truly level playing field. Exactly. Definitely. And like, if the goal is to show intimacy, I think the choreography and the performance was doing that. I don't think they needed to lose their clothes at all. It almost, when you lean into intensity, you get away from intimacy. When you get into this imbalance, it's kind of difficult to see them as that partnership anymore because. It's not even anymore. She's, I, I keep using this phrase, but I feel like she's just got more out there, literally. And on the table, you know, for, I don't think today she would run into any issues finding work, but a female having her breasts out there on the internet is different than a man having his chest out there on the internet. It just is. This isn't even me, <laughs> me making the judgment. 
Yeah, oh, that's so true. That's so true. And I think it's also indicative of something else I see a lot in dance film. And specifically for those who fear that their work's not going to be like accessible for a general audience, that they need to put something like in plain text in order to communicate it because the fear is, oh, if it's just dance, maybe they're not going to, maybe they're not going to get it. But now, mm. but see, now they're, they're both topless. Do you get it now? And I think that's just that, um, there's that sense of, um, don't want to call it acquiescing to general audience expectations. And I sure don't want to like slam any, you know, general audience who aren't familiar with dance. But I think that there is a lack of commitment to to a creative vision that kind of slips through a film like this. Yeah, and I think the power of suggestion is much greater. And if we are, and this is another big question I have in this conversation as well, is how do we separate nudity and sexuality? This is clearly, I think, when I'm watching it about sexuality. And the dance is almost a euphemism for a sexual encounter. And it becomes more literal when she loses her shirt. So I think that it would have been more intimate. It would have been more sexy if it was less obvious in a way. The power of suggestion is more powerful. There's this great Italian film, Matteo Palma's Francesco Pupini. It's called Somebody. And it's all extreme close-ups with a voiceover. And that film is intimate. And that film is sexy. And that film is beautiful. And you do not see any nudity except for like a shoulder and some hands. Yeah. So the next film that we're going to be discussing is Personal Space, which is directed by Alton Kaftira and choreographed by Peter Leung. Um, before we get into the film, I just want to make a little bit of a small aside about Alton Kaftira. So uh, he was actually a principal dancer with the Dutch National Ballet up until I think 2007. And then he actually became their resident filmmaker or specifically their resident dance filmmaker. So there was a period of time where there were a lot of films coming out of the Dutch National Ballet Circle, and he was behind quite a few of them. And this is actually quite an old film. I think it is from 2012, 2013. It's 2012 is what I saw. Okay. Yeah. And this was actually one of my first introductions to the wide world of dance film and specifically the wide world the wide, wide, wide world of nudity in dance film <laughs> as well. But it's a um, an interesting, um, sort of an interesting duet in a way where an older woman is, you know, sitting with her tea and sort of watching a supposed vision of a younger self um, through this architectural space. And something that really strikes me about this film is the role that light plays and just how the, the intensity of light varies and specifically how the intensity of light really reflects off of the nude body and what kind of what it kind of captures and what's uh, what topography is covered. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this film definitely explores the, you know, nudity without sexuality here, because in this case, uh, our dancers are in a like an a orb room, we could say, or <laughs> I, I thought... Of, what would we even call it? I, I would call it actually a womb. I saw it as a womb uh, because of the naked body. I mean, we associate like, you know, with women and I mean, we're focusing on women in this course that it's a safe place. You're closed in, you know, you feel at home. And a lot of times... We, I mean, from my experience of seeing some films, 
that it show nudity. Nudity is being free at home. And what the body is doing here and showcasing, I mean, obviously, yeah, the younger self versus the older self, but what it has to offer in that womb of this white room. When I was watching this and thinking about the idea of the younger self, I really thought about the role that clothing plays. I still have certain clothes I will never wear again, but I still have them because I can look at them and remember a point in my life and or even just look at the the size of them or look at where they're worn out. And clothing just has such a nostalgic weight to it that I wonder what this film would be like if clothing had been used in that sense where you see the younger self and there's some even if it's a play on contrasting what she's wearing now with what she's wearing later or what she was wearing earlier because I think that when you think about your younger self you don't think about your naked younger self but this is something that I think is very relevant to dance to people that grow up with their body as their instrument looking at their body in the mirror noticing every little change even the ones you don't see oh, my balance goes this way today, that way the other day. This hip does this, that hip doesn't do it. It's something we're hyper aware of our bodies as dancers. So I understand why for a dance film, thinking about your younger self in a nude form makes sense. But as a creative exercise, when I was watching this, I thought, hmm, what if they chose clothing that represented a different phase in life? And how would that change your experience watching it? Well, for me, there's sort of an element of communicating like an inner space um, or sort of like this lost inner space through the connection of the of the dancer and the architecture that she's in. And something that strikes me about this film and something that I think the use of nudity actually strengthens is the quality of touch and specifically like the quality of touch with the dancer inner space, which is a very like, I mean, a very delicate touch considering she's in a very vulnerable position as well as the touch between the two women like there's a very like very intentional and very sort of like aware quality even in parts where the bodies are at rest like there's one part where the um the younger woman's curled up in a fetal position like it's very much aware of its its state and aware of its environment and i mean i hesitate saying like i you know revel in the beauty of the architecture of the body which to me kind of implies like a sense of objectification through the lens of the camera. But here, like there's a lot of you know, exploration of that architecture along with light as well. If, going back to just if we saw this film with them dancing in clothing, I don't know if I could understand the light, the orb, the womb quality to the space, because that is what is going on here. We have a relationship with space. I mean, obviously the film is called Personal Space. In this case, the woman feels definitely more comfortable herself in that realm, whereas when she's in clothes and sitting with the man having a pipe, drinking coffee. I mean, she doesn't seem very happy. I mean, hence why they trade places, spoiler alert. But, I mean, the older woman is 
just watching this, I mean, past self, this envious thing that she doesn't have, hence why they trade. We see that relationship kind of mold together for a second. It makes sense. It's it, In a way, we could say this could be a reinvention of rebirth, where, you know, going back to what she feels most herself, her freedom, you know, all of those things on the spectrum. I think that this is this film's a great example of nudity with a purpose, even coming through in this conversation about it. To have her clothed would change it. And the fact that she is that there are naked bodies in this actually helps tell the story. And even if there is of course, we're watching. It's We are watching it, but I don't think that it's exploitative, which certain examples of nudity, I think when it's not done with thought or care, can just come across gratuitous and exploitative, which this definitely doesn't feel. I think that's the same with our next film. The idea that nudity is really just part of the concept and makes sense and is very, it's central to it, but in a very profound way. And it makes sense for dance to tell that story as well. Yeah, so our next film, Vanitas, which also explores ageism in the body. Uh, This film, which is directed by Vinicius Cardoso. I really enjoyed this film. Jen, thank you for bringing this to the podcast conversation table that we have here today. I thought this was a beautiful work. I do have, you know, my comments about it of where I think the piece could go. But it definitely, obviously, talks about vanity and the body. I thought the lighting in this really, really spoke to the narrative itself. I mean, just talking about personal space and light there was times when Claire you were talking and I was just like I see the same exact similarities and conversations also in this work I'd actually really like to read a bit of the of the description that's with the film because I think it adds like context that is really helpful um so this is the info that was on the Vimeo link for the film In Bosch's hell, she was condemned to look at her own reflection, forever condemned by her vanity. She is vanity. The spirit that wanders through the darkness of the garden of earthly delights, she is vanitas. A Latin noun means emptiness and vanity. It also refers to the vanitas painting of the Middle Ages. Memento mori, or to remember death, a poignant message from art comes to this film. Because today we do not share pains and failures, and so vanity is the price to be paid. Such a move made vanity a virtue, no longer the capital sin of pride bringing among its characteristics immortality. We are the civilization that put death aside. Pondering about death is paradoxically pondering about life and temptations, observing ignorance about false values, the spirit warned that our vices and horrors, dishonorable passions, wild, blind, dangerous irrationalities, our unconfessable impulses has to end. This is the drama. Yeah, and also just like contextualizing it within an art history sort of realm. It's an interesting take at a Bosch painting, too, considering um, I, I don't know if you've seen a lot, much of Bosch's paintings. I think his most famous one is um, the Garden of Earthly Delights, which features a bunch of nudes in um, 
in in a garden setting, um, as well as his, I don't know if it's triptych or if it's a series of four paintings that depict his versions of hell. And those are like just populated with bodies. But here it was interesting seeing a singularized experience of what that hell would be. I think what's interesting about this film is that we are seeing an older body nude, something that is included in the last two we talked about is this young, thin, pale body. It's a very limited representation. So I think it's important to show older bodies, bigger bodies, different shades of bodies, if we are going to be showing nudity, showing different examples so that we're not contributing to a narrow definition of beauty. Because even with these last two films, the idealization of the younger body we have these similar bodies that are being idealized. And it's, I think it's really important to um, be aware of that and the negative repercussions of that. Um, it would also be great to show older bodies in dance without this tragedy. Exactly. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, can we show older bodies that are still dance? There's a great short called And Still I Continue, directed by Kate Monson, which talks about older dancers dealing with their chronic injuries. And it's a very, it's educational and it's not depressing. It's realistic without being depressing. And I think this film very artistically and with a lot of depth looks at the issue or not the issue, but the reality of the aging dancing body and how we, there's so much emotionally and mentally that, and physically that we go through with that transformation. But I would like to see more films that show, if we're going to do nudity, showing more types of bodies and also showing older bodies without just the tragedy all the time. 100%. And adding on to that, it would be wonderful to see more representation of um, not only older dancers, but older dancers where the basis of their you know, representation isn't just a retrospective look back at their past selves. Oh, yeah. I think yes. that showing <laughs> the present yeah. aging body and the very unique experience is so valued and something that's super underrepresented in, well, in both dance and dance film. I felt that this film was going in that direction when I was first watching it. I mean, I loved how slow and serene she was moving. But then when we enter the younger body, that's when I was like, okay, it's this kind of storyline again. And I, I wasn't hating it, but I just would have loved just something that was in that presence of you know, this is who I am. I'm with this beautiful scarf and this amazing lighting. And yes, my my body has deteriorated or aged or, you know, it's just in this state. But I'm moving. And it just looked very interesting when it was shown that way. I... I just wish we got to stick with it a little bit longer than what it was. I think I, I agree. I think that the older dancer was really holding her space and really doing a good job of holding her space and really being in her body in that moment. And to me, that's where nudity and specifically nudity and dance is most successful is when the actual performer has the agency over 
the way that they're being represented. I know there, there's actually a um, a disabled dancer who often pro- like poses nude as a way of saying like this is you know this is who I am. Like people see the chair first, and but now this is a way where people can see me in another light. But yeah, to me, it was totally like nullified when the younger dancer showed up and and yeah, really turned it into this sort of like comparison of what is what is the ideal? Like what kind of statement are we are we making with having a younger, I guess? Yeah, a younger, more sprightly dancer in the same state. One of the healthy body image exercises that I've done with students, shout out to YPAD, Youth Protection Advocates and Dance. One of the body image exercises we do is we talk about instead of what our body looks like, we talk about what it does for us. So, so often we think about our body in this negative way and just based on a visual thing versus our experience of it. So, for example, oh, I don't like my stomach. My stomach's flabby. It's not hard like a brick wall. No, your stomach digests food. Your stomach gives you nutrition. It help well, it doesn't give you nutrition. It helps you absorb nutrition. It it fuels your body. It's this amazing thing. And I think that so often when we're talking about aging and dance, there's this dark cloud of, oh, I'm deteriorating. I would love to see more films where we just see older bodies dancing and thriving and without the the negativity. I would love to see more representation, particularly across different ages, because dance being linked to the body in such an intimate way, it does lend itself to that sort of mental trap or that arc where, okay, things are things are only deteriorating and it doesn't have to be that way. Dancers improve over time. Dancers learn new ways to move. Maybe there are things you were doing when you were younger that actually weren't safe or were good for shock value and flexibility, but actually cause chronic injuries. I think longevity in dance is such a beautiful thing. And with all of that, I mean, as we celebrate these bodies, I mean, this film, I would say, is definitely a artistic way of celebrating the body. But just going back to, you know, the entrance of the younger body, I think that this film almost became... Ex- borderline exploitative of nudity itself i don't know if you guys if y'all felt that way i felt i mean we are celebrating the body because of the so much envy there is throughout the elder's body it gets a little weird it's almost like it's not just shameful but the envious becomes ugly And that's where I feel that's where we're crossing the line of exploitation of the form. Yeah, it can feel a little creepy because it kind of is. It's this fetishization of the young body. And you're not just looking at a young body. You're looking at an older body, looking at the younger body and touching the younger body. It definitely has that element where we received this film as a submission and I ultimately made the choice not to show it because I do like having screenings where we can have families or younger people. I mean, we've had screenings where we show, we do a more of an adult screening, but this was not one of those years. And I think that it's, it is a difficult line to draw. Like what is artistic to one person might be exploitative to another. It is a challenge. And like you said, Hannah, it can, both can exist within the same film. There might be a moment that crosses the line 
or there might be a point in the narrative where in there might be a point throughout where you say, okay, this is where I draw it. This is where I draw the line. Yeah. And I think that's something that is also kind of questionable about this film is that the older woman character is so well established in the film by the time the younger one comes in and which at that time, by the time the younger person does come in, she's basically like a symbol and almost like an object of an idea rather than a full, you know, flesh and blood human being herself. Definitely. And I, as I mentioned, I think this is something that becomes a bigger issue with film than with watching a live body because already you're watching a representation. You're watching pixels, you're watching light, you're not watching a human body in front of you. So already, I think mentally, we're already objectifying or we're already looking in a way that doesn't feel as human to human because it kind of isn't compared to seeing it live in person. For sure. For sure. If you're someone that's thinking about making a film featuring nudity, I just want you to really think about why you are doing this as an artistic choice how is that you know adding to your story what are you you trying to aim for the audience to take away i mean when we're doing these shows we're creating these questions to talk about i mean it, this is the most i w- i don't want to say normal but as academics as watchers as conversational people you know like you have to think about these things when art is being presented to you i mean that is how you go through a museum what is this piece of work in front of me affecting me how is that being transferred to my brain definitely and i think for the from a from a performer's perspective as both of you mentioned throughout today having that agency is really important understanding the purpose of the nudie something I would really urge it doesn't even matter if it's a younger person that's just starting out anyone that's considering doing anything with nudity whether it's photography or live or video I would encourage you to really trust who you're working with to have as much control as you can over what is being captured, how it's being captured. There are people that will call something art and be very exploitative about it, and you cannot trust everybody. So I would just urge anyone that is considering really putting themselves out there. Maybe you're someone who's like, it's just my anatomy. It's just... It's just the shell that my soul is in. Everyone has different boundaries about what they're comfortable with. But at the end of the day, I would just encourage you. Technology is so crazy. I don't even do face recognition on my phone because I don't want to deal with holograms or clones of me in 30 years. Right. So I would say really being careful about how your body's being captured, where that material is allowed to go. And yes, just being Trusting who you're working with and having all the information you need to make a, a, a decision you're comfortable with because there is there's no price, there's no opportunity big enough, worth it enough for you to compromise who you are and your values long term. You don't need that job if you do not want to do it. Precisely, precisely. 
And I know there's this idea of, you know, the dancer is the vessel for, you know, the creative sort of like the creative expression or the creative vision. But if someone is asking you to go nude, you have every right to question that decision. And I mean, ask, even asking the question, like, what is like, were you intending for this? Like, what do you like? Why? Why does this? Is this such a strong choice for you? And if it's not something that you're comfortable with, you have every right to step away. And yes, this is a big issue for younger dancers who feel like they always have to be yes people in order to be accepted in a piece or in a community. But you have every right to say no and set those boundaries. All right. So we have pick of the week. Every week we pick a film that we love, that we like, and we just want to share just because we love it. So this week I picked the film, the short film, Selfies, which is directed by Claudius Gentinetta. I love this work. I randomly found it on Vimeo one day. It's literally a bunch of selfies, but animated selfies that are, I would say, like, kind of like paintings. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, classic 2D animation, but it's a bunch of selfies that are animated. I have no... no idea how many. I tried to actually sit down and put some tallies on my notebook (laughs) and I definitely did not make it very far. But it's what I think is really cool about it is it's a new way, but also a familiar way to look at pictures in time and what, you know, what people are taking selfies of. And I mean, as we talk about the body today, you know, and identity and the body itself, I mean, I thought it was kind of appropriate. I mean, it, there is definitely a cool little sp- timeline of, you know, when people arrive somewhere to actually the very death, <laughs> which is really kind of weird to say that there's a selfie of someone at they're at the morgue getting ready to be you know either at a crematory or something like that but uh did you guys take a look at selfies yeah i did i loved it i think that seeing it animated visually is so satisfying but does allow you to see it with fresh eyes if you just looked at a collage of selfies as the actual photos it wouldn't have the same effect. And I, I read this as a criticism because you do see, you see all sorts of different scenes. And I find that the person taking the selfie usually has this goofy smile and the people behind them are actually doing something more productive or they're actually present. Um, there's this aspect of like documentation and are you present or not? Um, so I think it is, and also to just show trends as well. Like you see pregnancy selfies, you see bathroom mirror selfies, even showing where people consume their media and like the montage of people on the toilet yeah. or the woman like yeah. dropping her baby because she's taking a selfie. I think it's showing people that are selfie absorbed in a way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And kind of reflect framing it with a bit of a ghastly like bent on it because the pictures are just so like, I mean, just kind of so chilling in a way. And even in the sort of innocuous moments of, you know, people taking everyday selfies, like there's something so um, 
almost like put on by the smiles that they're doing or something very um, like plastered on about sort of the actions that they're performing in front of a camera. Yes. I mean, the development of the selfie ever since we've gotten a cell phone or even just the uh, forward facing camera on a cell phone. It's pretty astonishing how vain people have become or just the obsessive imagery of the self image being shown and shared to the world. I love the introduction of the selfie sticks in this as well, because even (laughs) if you look at it like a metaphor, the farther away that you get from your phone, the more it is able to take in, right? If If your phone is so close to you, you only get your face in the selfie. If you go a little farther away, you see more of your environment. If you go farther away, you see more of your world. So in a way, get away from your phone. Get away. You'll be able to see more of the world. Unplug this show. No, I'm yes. just kidding. <laughs> Take a selfie of you listening to this and then we'll be okay with it. <laughs> Take a selfie of yourself listening to this show and send it on over to our Instagram account at frameform P-O-D. That's frameform pod. As well as send that photo over to frameformpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And like we say every episode and try to say it, all the info, all the films that we've been talking about in this episode is linked in the show notes. So feel free to watch those. And with that said, also, if you love this show, share it to a friend. We'd love to have more listeners and please go over to Apple Podcasts and rate us, review us, give us a review. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what your thoughts are. And thank you so much for listening. In that case, Jen and Claire, it was awesome talking to you. I'm double saluting. (laughs) It was so good to flesh out today and unpack this topic because I know it's something that we have talked about many times related to music videos or movies and something that is very important for us to understand and be able to discuss. So I hope that others feel the same way and are able to have these conversations that maybe were uncomfortable before, but now perhaps you feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, getting down to the bare necessities. Frameform is a production of Rixie, hosted by me, Hannah Weber, Claire Schweitzer, and Jen Ray. Edited and mixed by myself and Mason Carlton. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>